All right. Hi, everyone. This is Scott Tolar with the Great by Choice podcast. And today we've got Cassie Spears with us uh, out of Keller Williams, Johnson County. Cassie, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a real estate broker. I got my broker's license a couple years ago. I've been in the business. It'll be 19 years this summer. I actually went to real estate school on the weekends when I was in high school and got my license the week after I graduated. And this is all I've ever done. So you got your license right out of high school? Literally seven days after I graduated high school. Oh my goodness. Most mm -hmm. people are excited about getting a car and driving and you were excited yes. about getting your real estate license. Exactly. Yes. What was the, what was the driving factor that led to you wanting to do that right out of high school? So whenever I did a lot of college classes and so I was um, four hours shy of being a sophomore in college. And I really, there wasn't really any money for me to go to college. So if I did it, there was going to be student loans and things like that involved. And so I just decided um, that I wanted to do real estate. And I decided about halfway through my senior year. And so I looked up the real estate. Actually, I looked up what industry you could make a good living without having a college education. Okay. And real estate was the number one thing. So I was like, okay. So I went and looked into it and I signed myself up for school myself. I paid for all of it myself. And then after my first class, I realized I didn't know what the heck any of the stuff they were talking about. I didn't know what mortgage was, what a grantor was or anything like that. So I actually walked into a local real estate office here and I just talked to the owner and said, I need a job. I'm going to real estate school. And she was like, okay. And I was like, but I'm still in high school. And she was like, okay. So then I started, I worked there the last five months of high school in learned I was a receptionist. So I kind of learned the back end of things, which was really cool. And I think it helped me to, so that I was able to excel immediately because I knew that I knew a lot of the background. I knew what it took to get a listing in. I knew a lot of things that I didn't know five months from that. And then I ended up being the owner's assistant for the first year that I was in the business. So it was really cool. So what year did you get into real estate? 2001. 2001. Mm -hmm. That was an interesting year to get into real estate. Very interesting. So that was in June and then September 11th happened a couple months later and everybody was afraid, you know, that everything was going to end and the market was going to crash and it didn't. The rates were still high and, you know, it did, it did um, kind of stall for a little bit. But then January of 2002, it started picking up and then it just went up from there until about 2006. And you saw another interesting place yes. of the market yes. shortly after that. Yes. Yeah. So what was your first transaction like? My first transaction was a couple that had walked into the office and nobody was on floor time. And it was actually the weekend before I was going to take my test. And so I couldn't have any communication with them. I just said, hey, there's nobody here. I said, but, you know, I should be taking my test next week if y'all want to hang out. And they were literally, they, I called them that following weekend and I closed my first deal like 25 days after I got my license. So they waited for you to they have your did. license. They did, yeah. And they just, and they looked, they knew I was young. They knew I was, you know, 19 years old and they just were impressed that I was the only one there on a Saturday, which I was being paid to do, but they didn't know that. <laughs> so it was really cool. And they, they've bought three houses from me now. Wow. Yeah. That's, an, that's incredible. It is. So how did you feel? 
it, it was really neat. So that's when I really realized that this was a service industry. I really thought I was getting into sales and that I was going to be selling, you know, a house or selling this. And really, I'm just providing a service to my clients. And it really started changing my way of thinking. Now it's, you know, completely different and the industry is completely changed, but it's still service in a people industry. So, so why do you do what you do? I think that the main reason why I do what I do is because I really enjoy helping people. I really enjoy whether it's, I also own a property management company. So whether it's an investor first starting out or somebody that has 15 properties to take, you know, something that maybe is not so pretty and shiny, make it nice, make it profitable. And then in five years later, they can sell it. Some of them for double what they paid for it. It's pretty amazing. But then it's also amazing to you, you know, work with a first time buyer that never thought that they could possibly own a home and getting them through the process. So it's kind of a little bit of both. Okay. So outside of real estate, what do you enjoy doing? Um, well, I have two boys, so I enjoy spending time with them. I, um, I work a lot. So, um, there's sometimes not a lot of time outside of real estate, but I'd like to work out. I think it puts me in the right headspace. So I work out four days a week with a personal trainer in a group class, which is really cool. Cause I get to hang out with other women around my age, some of them a little bit younger. So basically just spending time with my family and then of course working a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what one word would you describe, uh, would you use to describe where you are and what you've accomplished so far? Determined. Determined. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that. Determined to always do better. Okay. So I think that one of my flaws, if you'll call it a flaw, is that I'm never satisfied. So I'll reach a goal and then before I even get to that goal, I've already set a new goal. And I always am looking to improve or change or learn. And so sometimes I think that I could get in your way, but I'm always determined to do better than I did the day before. There's another gentleman that I could think of that comes to mind when you say that, Gary Keller. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think his whole thing is he's never actually reached any of his goals because as soon as he gets close, he changes it. Yep. I suffer from that same sickness. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you can look at his suffering or, you, you know, uh, you see the opportunity to expand every single time you get For close. For sure. I have a real problem with being satisfied just in general. So like some people may view me as successful. A lot of people don't understand like why do I do real estate and do property management? And that's just because I'm really good at both of them. Mm -hmm. So I really don't feel like I have to pick either one of them. But some people probably look at me as extremely successful and why do you keep changing or why are you in coaching or why and I'm, it's never enough for me so i'm always looking for the new thing while still improving the things that i know works but i always want to be ahead of what everybody else is doing i don't want to do the same traditional real estate especially in our area there's a lot more um, opportunities in outside areas and people in our area don't really sometimes use those and they do things the traditional way, which is not a bad way. It's just, you know, I like to do things different. So before you got into property management, how long did you do just traditional real estate sales? So I did real estate. I started property management in 2005. Okay. So I have a really amazing lender that I've used for a really long time and we just studied the market and we knew the subprime market was just getting really loose and pretty much we joke that, you know, to get a loan, you just had to pass a mirror test. You know, if you could fog up a mirror, yeah. then you could, you know, buy a house. And so we saw that and he said, you know, this is, this is going to end and it's going to end really badly. So you need to create leverage. And yeah. so 
I had just started working with investors a little bit at that time, mainly just flipping houses. And so whenever I started, I started with one property and then it grew. I mean, I had probably 27 properties in 12 months, which at that point I was just trying to look for, you know, supplemental income because I still wanted to do this. But, you know, I was, you know, coming from a fear base really when I started. But then when I got into it, I really enjoyed it. And it's hard because people are like, how could you possibly enjoy property management? But it's all about systems and organization. And that's like, that's me. That's where, that's where I thrive in. Is this lender still your lender partner? Mm -hmm. Yes. Great. So, you know, I was reading an article the other day about uh, CFPB actually relaxing their requirements on uh, debt to income ratio. Yes. What does that make you feel? And has your lender already reached out to you about that? So we've been talking about that for probably about five months, like on a weekly basis and looking at things and they're getting, you know, they're getting people at 58% and 52%, just crazy debt to income ratios that we shouldn't, you know, be approving people at. So we've been having conversations about it. and But I think that where I'm at at this point in my career, I'm built for a shift so that if the market does change, I actually find a way to thrive in it. So yeah. it's not that I want the market to crash, but if it does, I'm prepared for that. Well, that's one of the benefits of you having the property management side of things and the real estate sales side of things is yes. that you are prepared for that. Yes. And, and then just having such a lasting relationship with my investors, like I can call, I mean, I have a list of 15 to 20 people. If I think a house is a good deal, they'll buy it sight unseen like there's a lot of my investors i've never even met face to face like one of them i'm selling right now i've been managing for her for 15 years since the beginning and we've never even met face to face she lives in she's a detective in new york and we've never met face to face like we joke that she's going to get down here and she's like i have no reason to come to texas because i know those properties are taken care of yeah and that makes me feel good because they are putting a lot of trust in me and it's nice to know that I've earned that trust with them. So looking back to 2005, when you first got into property management, Mm -hmm. how many properties did you have at the end of 2005? So I had, I think 24 24. or 24 or 27, almost like two a month is what I, what I started. But then in 2006, I got a 32 unit apartment complex. I had sold the property to these investors and there were no books. There were no rent rolls. There were nothing. And so our goal was to fix it up and sell it. Well, you can't sell it without, we just bought it because it was a good deal. So we ended up at that time paying like 370 for it and we sold it for almost double you bought a 32 unit apartment complex for three hundred and seventy thousand dollars yes wow yes yes it was in alberado and it was in you know a lower income area and we just saw nacogdoches that's a good deal that's true it was i mean it was a good deal but that was why it was a good deal because there were no nobody we we took it not knowing whether they had a ton of plumbing problems or whether they all the acs are out so we took it and then they probably put, I would say, about 150 back into it, fixing it up. So, you know, but still, I mean, they cash flowed. We almost made $200,000 on that deal in about 18 months. Wow. Yeah. So where are you today with the amount of properties that you're managing? Uh, 242. 242. Yes. Okay. So how big is your team that's managing that group of 242 properties? There's just three of us. Three of you? Yes. Okay. So what's that like? Um, lots of organization 
and lots of systems in place. So I use a really good um, si uh, computer system that keeps everything organized. It's internet based, my tenants can pay online, the owners can review their statements online. That system pretty much does the job of one person. Now yep. you have to physically do it and there's things you know that you have to do to make it work, but it's it literally does the job of one person. Okay. But it is also, um, I'm kind of a control freak. So it's kind of, it's at the point now where it's running very seamlessly and I'm adding. So our goal this year was we wanted to go more towards sales because property management is running great. And mm -hmm. anytime I feel like I try to focus my energy on something, property management is just like, hey, wait, what about me? Yeah. So right now we've already gotten 14 new properties. Just since the beginning of the year? Yes. Wow. It's literally only one every other day, 28th of January. Yeah. One every other day. And the coolest part about all of this, and it's probably one of my favorite things about Keller Williams is seven of those came from agents referring me the business. So they either, somebody didn't want to sell or they knew of somebody. And so that's a really cool thing. And so seven, so six of those were Keller Williams agents within our office. Wow. Mm -hmm. So if you and I are sitting here together five years from now in mm -hmm. 2025, mm -hmm. What does your property management company look like and what does your real estate business look like? So I would hope to have, my intention is to have 500 properties okay. in the next five years, which doesn't really go in with my 25 goal, which, you know, it's funny because I've always said 500 is where I want to be. 500 is a good number to be manageable mm -hmm. and still have control because again, I have trouble giving up control. But it also uh, will enable me to bring other people on, have additional staff. And so uh, that's probably why the numbers are the way they are, because I should have probably put 50 to 75 as my goal for this year to be in line with getting to that number. And I probably where I'll end. Yeah. So for those of the, for the people who are listening to this that are part of the offices in this area, <laughs> they could definitely help you with reaching that goal. Yes, for yeah. sure. Definitely. And I think that it... It en enables me. So what I've done is I used to come from a scarcity mindset mm -hmm. and I came from a closed door offices where you don't share with each other. And so to get here and have such a different office environment, it really changed my mindset into that. If I pour back into these, you know, other agents, especially newer agents and things like that, that I'm helping them. And my intention was just to help them. I never even saw the other side of it that they could possibly, you know, turn around and give me business because they want to. Like they, like I had just had a, a new agent in our office and they were dying to give me a deal because I'd helped them so much that once they found somebody that knew property managed, they could not wait to give it to me. And it was really neat. That's awesome. So let's, let's pivot a little bit. What would you do with your life today if you knew you would not and could not fail? It's, I don't know, that's a tough one. I think that um, my main thing is I'm not afraid to fail. So if I fail, failure just means I'm growing. And if things get harder, that just means I'm growing. So I think one of the things that I have a problem with is that from my perfectionist personality, from my disc test and all that, is that sometimes I always want to look a certain way, present myself a certain way. So I think if I could, I'd probably loosen up a little bit, maybe not, you know, be so professional. Like with my video, I do a lot of video marketing. Yeah. And... Um, 
most of my videos are edited and scripted and I'm so I need to one of my goals is to be more open and be more free and just do you know more off the cuff stuff than rehearse and regimented things so I think if I wasn't afraid to fail at making a mistake then I would probably be freed up to do more like just have fun with it you know? yeah so speaking of your video marketing mm -hmm. you've done a great job at that I see your videos out all the time what has been the benefit, the biggest benefit for you in doing that? So the reason why I did video marketing was I wanted to grow my real estate transactions. I wanted to do more business so that I could bring more people on, but I didn't just want to bring people on and have them sitting around. I wanted to have leads to give them. And my business for the last 10 years has been 85% referrals or past clients. So wait, I wasn't... Wait, say that again? Yeah, 85%. Wow. And that's probably being conservative. So I wasn't reaching the people that I didn't know. And so it kind of got boring for me. It was just like, I wasn't like, I have these beautiful listing presentation, but I wasn't even able to open the book. Cause when I got there, they're like, well, we're listing with you because yeah, somebody referred. On the table, you don't have to yeah, worry about it. Yeah, literally that's yeah. what happened. So I wanted to do video marketing to get out to the people that I don't know to be in sell. But that again, everybody knows a realtor. So I needed to create a no like trust factor. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure that these people knew that I came from a place of authority because I do have experience and I am highly educated, but I also needed to get to them. And they, I didn't want to pay. I've never paid for a lead ever. I've never paid for Zillow. I've never paid for real. I've never paid for any kind of lead service ever. And what kind of what was your production volume last year? I did um, forty transactions. Forty transactions. Yeah, okay. and um, my um, and I don't give up commission. Yeah. I do six percent. That's what I get. Like when we have our numbers in the office and we talk, there's people that have a higher volume than me, but I'm higher in commission because I just, I get there and I show my worth. Yeah. So a lot, and the funniest thing is a lot of times I don't even have a conversation about commission because once you show your value and you give somebody value, you have less and less of those conversations. Yeah. So when I have other agents in the office that, you know, we look at each other's numbers cause we're all nosy and they're like, well, how did I do a million more than you or a million and a half more than you in volume? And you did this, you did more in commission. I said, because you gave up $42,000. Yeah. And that's, that's where the real, you know, that's where the real numbers for me. So volume numbers and things like that, my income is what I look at and what, and I don't want to give any of that up because in order to do the best job for my clients, I have to charge a full commission because I give a full service. You know, you saying that uh, in giving that full service and showing your value reminds me of a podcast that I was listening to recently. Uh, and they asked this question, why do people choose to go to Walt Disney World for vacation as opposed to choosing Six Flags? And it's because of the it's value and an the experience, experience yeah, for sure. that they get. Yeah, yes, and they know it. Exactly. They're paying a lot more money to do it. Mm -hmm. And they know that that's going to be an experience that's going to literally last them a lifetime. A hundred percent. Yeah. So for you... Reaching that 85% mm -hmm. uh, ratio in the amount of referrals that you get, uh, repeat and referral business, what do you attribute that to? Answering my phone. Returning. Novel concept in this business. It is. And it's crazy. Even like on the property management side, that's the worst. That's where you really see them not answer. And like I'll get a sign call from a tenant and they'll literally be fumbled at the beginning of the call because they're just like, hello? And I'm like, yeah, you called me, so <laughs> talk. And Because they're just so used to not people people not answering. And it's really sad that it's gotten that way 
But if you follow up and you stay in communication with your clients, even if you don't have anything to tell them, they just want to hear from you. And that's the same thing with my investors. I do a lot of um, video texting. So because sometimes I don't have time to make all my calls and I want to get to everybody. And so I'll shoot a quick video text and I'll send it to 10 people every single day. And it's personalized. It comes directly to them. And it's really cool because they think, well, she took the time to you know, to, to make this video and I'm really leveraging my time because that call could take 45 minutes versus I could do 10 video texts in 15 minutes. So yes. I'm really doing it to leverage, but they feel like it's something special and just for them, which it is. I always say their name. I always talk directly to them. And the main thing that I don't do in those is I don't ask for business. I'm really just checking in on them. I'm really, and I get the business. And I ask for it at certain times, but I just don't want them to feel like that was the intention of the call. Yeah, it goes back to the whole adding value thing. 100%. Okay. So what is your typical work week like? It depends on the day. Okay, okay. So with, um, I mean, it really depends on the day. I do, I try to make at least three videos every week. And so that takes about an hour of my time. I send those off to editing. So there's a day of story boarding, figuring out what I'm going to do my videos on. There's a day for doing the videos. And all of these are time blocked. Every day I have a daily sheet that I fill out. And it has the six things that I'm grateful for every single day, the six things that have to be done before I can go home, and then the six successes. Like what were the great things? Because what we do is we make these to-do lists and we get like, you know, four or five things done. And then we only we only focus on the things we didn't do. We only look at those three and four other things that we didn't do. And that was one of my biggest problems. Even doing the daily sheets, at first I wasn't celebrating. I was just doing it to, you know, do it because my coach was like, this is something that's really important. And then when I started celebrating my successes, I mean, it could be little things. It could be, you know, simple as I got to pick my kids up from school that day. And sometimes I don't get to do that. And it could be, you know, it could be I got a listing appointment. There's other things, but it's just stopping and celebrating those wins every single day has really changed my mindset and how I operate. And I don't come from a place of fear anymore because I'm driving it. I'm driving my business. That reminds me of uh, uh, the former CEO of GE, uh, Jack Welch. He said, you know, every single day, find something to celebrate. It doesn't matter how small it is. You've got to celebrate something that you won that day. Yeah, and I think that as a society, just like if you turn on the news, there's not 15 great stories that, yes. you know, feel good. It's the bad things that happen. And then, and then, then there might time, be a they might little one in yeah. there. Yeah. And I think that it's just same thing with like um, research shows that you're more likely to read something if it's negative than if it's positive. And like, we'll just read a whole paragraph. But if it's something great, we skim through it and we move past it. So it's really like retraining our brains. And I mean, I have done that. I have worked on mindset every day for the last 12 months. And honestly, before that, I was like, I'm fine. I'm pretty positive. And then when you really stop and think about your mindset, yeah. you don't sometimes realize how negative, like I started to rubber band around my wrist. And then every time that I would have a negative thought, I would pop the rubber band. Well, I would have bruises, you know, <laughs> after a while. So then it had to be, okay, take it off on one wrist and put it on the other. And now it's cool because I'll say something negative and I'll immediately say something positive. I'll say, I'm not doing very good at this, but I can get better. Oh, I, you know, I am great at this part of it, you know, and it's just stopping and trying to just retrain your brain into having positive thoughts versus just focusing on negativity. Okay. So who are three people in your life today whom you admire and respect, dead or alive? So, um, I think number one is my husband. Okay. 
So he gave up a career, a really lucrative career, because my business just was growing to the capacity. And I'd gone through a couple of people on my team that just weren't making it. They just didn't have it, what I was looking for. And uh, we actually went on a cruise in the summertime, and I just dawned on me. I'm like, Tim is what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for my next person. So I spent the whole seven days of the cruise talking him into quitting his job and coming and working with me. So the fact that he did that was pretty amazing. Okay. Um, and then my lender, Patrick, we've had a business, we've been doing business together since 2002. And um, he's probably been the one to push me more than just being an agent in Burleson, Texas. He yeah. just pushed me to know that there was an option to be more when if I would have just surrounded myself with some of you know local people and just stayed really small, I wouldn't have the big dreams that I have. And then the third one is of course my real estate coach, Krista Mayshore, because I've never met anybody. We we have a saying in our coaching group and it's called a go-giver. So not a go-getter, because uh -huh. anybody can be a go-getter, but yeah. it's a go-giver. And it's just really neat that I've you know, you I found somebody because you know your coach needs to be somebody that you probably hang out with on the weekends. It needs to be somebody that you relate to, and I just was instantly drawn to her. And she actually got me through video marketing, and that's how I mean I found her on Facebook, and I didn't click the link, and then finally one day I clicked the link, and I mean it's changed my whole life. Not just my I did great business, I've done better business, but it's literally changed my life so that I feel like there's a purpose for every day, and that there's so much more than what I just have in front of me. There's and, and even just the ideas and the things, it's really cool in our coaching program that we get to talk with agents that are all over the world. I mean, just all, you know, not just in Texas, not just in, and it's neat to see the strategies and the things that they use. And without her having the idea of pouring back into what, you know, what she knows best and teaching people, like just the thought of teaching the world what you do. She just signed her biggest competitor in her market because she does real estate as well. She just signed her up for her coaching program. And she could have said no. And she goes yeah. like, I'm not sharing with you. But she was so far ahead of that lady and anything that she was doing. So she just welcomed her on board. And it was really neat for me because when I started the pro coaching program, I didn't want to tell anybody what I was doing. I wanted to keep it to myself, keep it, you know. And then finally, it just clicked one day. And then about two months ago, somebody in our office signed up for the same coaching program. And I helped him. I showed him, you know, ways to utilize the program. And it really made me think that, you know, a year ago, I was not in the same headspace. It's yeah. all from the abundance mindset. So uh, Simon Sinek wrote a book recently called The Infinite Game. Mm -hmm. And in that book, uh, something that you just said reminds me of it. He talked about in one month, he had the opportunity to go and speak at Apple and speak at Microsoft, both in the exact same month. And he was at Microsoft first at the beginning of that month. And when he was there... Uh, all they talked about was how they were going to beat Apple, how they were going to beat Apple, how are they going to beat Apple. And then later that month, he went and spoke at Apple. Not one time when he was speaking at Apple did they even mention how they were going to beat Microsoft or how they were going to stay ahead of Microsoft. Their intention was we're going to be the number one company in technology. We're going to be the number one company in the world. And what he said there was, you know, Microsoft was was playing a finite game. They only wanted to beat one company. And Apple was playing the infinite game because they just wanted to be the best. Mm -hmm. And so you saying that and, you know, uh, uh, with, with your coach being willing to share what she knows with her biggest competitor in there, your coach is truly playing an infinite game. Yes, for sure. 
Yeah, and it's like the same thing with Gary Keller. You know, he says that on the uh, on his tombstone, he wants it to just say realtor because he wants to be known as the person who added value to an entire community of people, whether they were with our company or not. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, what characteristics or traits do you believe successful people have in common? I think that have one, number one is taking action. I think we have all these great ideas, but if we don't ever do anything and take action, then they're all they are, are ideas. I think that having practicing, having patience, and having self-discipline. Okay. Because sometimes, you know, the e- the harder things aren't easy, and the easy things are easy. So I think knowing, you know, to have the self-discipline, and then also having the willingness to learn and change and implement. Okay. So what are some things that you've had to learn and change and implement that weren't necessarily easy? I think that, you know, in any great market, it's easy to take a listing because if you price it right, you put your pictures up, it's going to sell. And that's pretty much how the market's been the last three years. And so it's been easy. Now I I see things changing. You see houses sitting on the market longer. So I think it's sometimes it's hard to have those talks that you haven't had in a while that, you know, but it has to be done. You have mm-hmm. to make those calls. So that's the first thing I do every Monday is talk to my sellers. I'm going to let them all know. I want to, you know, let them know how the weekend went, see if they have any questions, and then I get it out of the way. And the coolest thing is, is they're expecting my call on Monday. They know, I mean, I'm a clockwork, so they know I'm going to call this one at this time and this one at that time. And it's so much easier to talk to a seller and say, I have 10 offers on your house. Yeah. And then, oh, wow, you're amazing. You did such a great job. Well, the market sold that house. Now, yeah. of course, me pricing it right, having great pictures and things like that helped. But I think that um, the market's shifting and it's going to be a little bit harder. So we have to have those tough conversations. And I think that I'm really good at being honest. I'm yeah. really good at telling people. I go on a listing appointment. I say, hey, we're on a team. I don't sit across from them. I sit beside them if I have the opportunity because I want to show them side by side that we're in this together. And if you sit across, sometimes it's a tug and a pull. And I want the, And sometimes they'll look at me like, what? why are you sitting beside me? But it's because I want them to know that we're a team together. Yeah. So at what point in time do you set those expectations with your clients on what their transaction is going to look like? In the beginning. The beginning. So whenever, so I have a process to, if I, you know, if I know that I'm going to have a listing appointment ahead of time, then I send them their CMA without me being there. I send it to them. Most of the time we drop it off in a cute box on their front doorstep. And I want them to look it over. I want them to think about those comps. I want them to look at those pictures and think, because everybody thinks they know what their neighbor's house sold until they see it on black and white. And I think that... Neighbors also tend to exaggerate the truth a little bit from time to time. Sometimes they do. (laughs) And I think that um, I also do a pre-listing video. And so I send that out ahead of time. Like I need to have, if you have a survey and you have extra keys, like just preparing them. So I think I lead more from a place of education. And so if you... If, when I get there, it's easy. Like, like I said, sometimes I don't get to open my beautiful listing presentation because they're sold on me. And that's even working <laughs> with my video marketing now with the people that I don't know. I just took a listing a couple months ago and it was a doctor and it was a rental property. He found me on, he read my Zillow reviews first. Then he said he got a, fake, a Facebook video about me. And then I sold a house two streets over. So when he went to check, it was an investment house. When he went to check the mail, one of my postcards was in the mail. So literally, I'm all excited, like, all right, I got somebody that doesn't know me. I walked in the front door, and is a vacant house, and he had his garage door opener and his keys. 
And he was like, price it at whatever you think and it'll you sell at. Knew. And I already knew. So I'm like, okay, let's set the listing presentation down, which was cool because I did. And he said, he's like, I, you hit me in every way that you could possibly hit somebody. And it made me realize that you were the authority in the neighborhood. And I read your reviews and every, you know, everybody, everything that you're telling me and everything that I've experienced on this appointment is true. And I mean, he listed it exactly what I told him to list it at. He did the things that I told him to list it at because I'd set myself up as the authority to know that I know the community. He didn't know. He had no idea what the house, like zero idea what the house was worth. Yeah. So it was really cool. I mean, he ended up getting almost $45,000 than he ever thought he would. And wow. we sold it in, I think we took two and a half weeks to sell. Um, we did really good marketing. So we had in those two and a half weeks, it was an older or it was a newer house, but it was big and it was the biggest one in the neighborhood. And sometimes that's not always the great thing, but we did a lot of digital marketing. So we had like, like almost 40 showings in two weeks. So our goal was to get as many people because all those no's was going to lead to a yes. And yeah. it did. All right. So what are some of your goals right now? Uh, one of my main goals is to be better than I was yesterday okay. and to be consistent and I don't really measure goals so much as numbers or income. Mm -hmm. I pretty much am at the top of our industry and our area for income wise. So mine are more personal goals. And um, one of my main thing is just the consistency part. That's my thing. I've got to be consistent and take action quickly. And um, learning those tools through my coaching program has been pretty cool. Yeah. You mentioned that mindset is something you've really been working on over mm -hmm. the past year. Yes. What do you do every single day to continue to expand your mindset? So I have, I have my daily affirmations that I, every day when I'm getting ready, I listen to them. Usually I can listen to them three times. So I've recorded my I am statements on mm -hmm. my phone. I don't share them with anybody. Nobody knows what they say. Not even my husband knows okay. what he says. I have headphones on and I listen because that's me. That's what I want to do. And those are the things that I want to work on on a daily basis. And then I think that writing out what my goals are for the day, what I need to accomplish the day has really taught me how to time block and time management. And I think that I've gained a lot of time back in knowing how to do that now which yeah. I didn't do before. Before I kind of felt like my business took hold of me and now I feel like I have hold of it. Okay. If you were to start over having the knowledge that you have right now, would you do anything differently? I would take action sooner. What do you mean? Meaning that whenever I have an idea, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just get it out there. Same thing with my, you know, content that I get out there. It's just, it's better to get it out there than to not do it at all. And so when you have a personality from, a perfectionist point of view it's hard because you want it to be perfect you want that thing to be perfect that you're doing and so I'm really pulling back on myself to realize that it's okay if it's not perfect and people are actually put off by perfection you know people don't they like for you so even in our my videos like I'll say a word wrong or I'll enunciate it wrong and I'll want to just re-record the whole video and now I don't do that I'm just yeah. like and then I'll play it and nobody hears it nobody sees that nobody even cares that I made it so it's really just you know taking action right away like, and I have an idea, write it down, put it to work immediately. Because a lot of times we just don't do it. We have all these ideas and contents. We just don't take action. Heaven forbid somebody know that you're a human, right? True. True. <laughs> and they're humans too. I mean, they exactly. make mistakes every day. Exactly. And it, it's really, I mean, it, this is, this has really helped me kind of break through some of my personality traits and to know that it's okay to make mistakes because again, it means I'm growing and it's okay to be different because when you start this business as a teenager, you just want to be like everybody else. Like yeah. one day I'm going to be as old as everybody else. Then I realized that they're going to get older too. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I always looked at was 
if I can't be the oldest person, I can be the most educated. So I take continuing education. I probably have 1,200 hours of continuing education. I um, took my broker's test. I nailed it the first time. Like I know real estate really well. But if we come from a base of being fearful, we don't sometimes even get the opportunity to show our talents. Yeah. So for a new agent or somebody who's newer in the business, what advice would you give them? I would say that find, especially like in our office, find the people that you most see yourself being like and just follow them. Ask them to go on an appointment. There's not a top producing agent in our office that wouldn't allow somebody to go on an appointment. You know how many times we're asked? Never. Yeah. You know, and it's just, I would say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to ask to go on an appointment because some of us just like to show how good we are and we don't get the opportunity to show <laughs> exactly. off in front of other agents. So, yeah. and it's just soak it all up. Like our office offers amazing training and there's just so much that you can take from it. And I think that the number one thing is that you do need to be informed. You need to know you're going to be representing people on the biggest transaction they ever make at one time in their life. And they have to have confidence that you have confidence in yourself. If there was one book that you'd recommend somebody to read, what would it be? Okay. So I would say for real estate would be the miracle morning. Okay. Just, Good book. just having, you know, what is your plan for the day? What do you need to accomplish for the day? Having your day set out before your day even begins. And then one that I'm reading right now that I'm really into is the 12-week year. And it really is cool because it shows us how to not think on a yearly basis. Like we need to break our years down into 12 weeks because we'll accomplish a whole lot more in those 12 weeks. Because if we have a goal and we're already almost to February, then we have 11 more months left. But if you're not, you're halfway done with your 12-week year. And so you can readjust, you can correct things. And I, I just, you, there's just so many research and studies that show that once you break your year down like that, you're going to be far more successful than if you think on an annualization. Yeah. All right. So if there was one seminar or one real estate event that you'd recommend that a uh, newer person go to, what would it be? I would say that, and it's funny that I'm going to say this because I haven't even been yet. This is only my second, will be my second year, but I've heard some amazing things about family reunion. So I'm super excited about that. I did go to a mega camp in Austin, which was really cool, but I'm really excited for family reunion. It's in our backyard. Too. And it's that in helps. our backyard. Yeah. <laughs> so you can go for, you know, a fraction of the cost that it would be for somewhere else. Yeah. So. My final question for you, Cassie, first of all, thank you so much for yeah. taking the time to share with us. What is your definition of success? Um, I think my definition of success is to um, have a balance in life. And I know it's hard to say, yeah, you have a balance, but I, I have seen a lot of people in an industry not have the most successful home lives because they just pour themselves into their business. And my true definition is to have Sometimes it's not equal, but I want to have just a successful business and just a successful family. And I want my kids to know that I didn't pick them over my business. And I want my business to know I'm not picking my family, that there, there's a way through time management that you can be successful in both of them. Awesome. Is there anything else that you'd like to share that people need to know about you? 
Um, no, just I think that um, for newer agents to take action right away, don't be afraid to make mistakes. And then maybe for more seasoned agents to try new things out and don't always do what you always did because you always get what you always had. Great. Cassie, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate everyone who is listening today, and I hope you all have a wonderful day. Talk to you soon.